What's up, all you lovebirds? On today's episode of the Rundown Podcast, we're going to give you three steps to building a better marriage. We're continuing our study through the book Song of Solomon as the Bible's guide to building a better marriage, whether single, dating, married, or if you're on Facebook, it's complicated. Uh, This is going to be a great episode for you to be able to build a better marriage. Three steps for you to do starting today. You ready? Let's do it. Hey, listen, if you don't do these three things, you just don't want a better marriage. That's just all it is. Is that what you want? That's all it is. Is that what you want? That's all it is. Type in the comments. Is that what you want? But listen to us. We're trying to help you. We love you. Check it out. It's going to be great. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Rundown Podcast. My name is Byron. I'm the lead pastor at Redemption Church, and this is my boy, Trevor. Trevor, will you say hello to all of the Rundown peoples out there? In the vineyards of spaghetti. Welcome, friends. Hey, if you don't know what he's talking about, that's okay. I don't either. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, hey, last Sunday, we preached a sermon called In the Vineyards of Engedi, and we're going to be doing a rundown over Song of Solomon today, giving you three steps to building a better Ikea furniture. No, building a better marriage. You have to listen to the sermon or else that doesn't make sense. But either way, we're going to put a link in the comments. But hey, before we dive into the rundown today, could you do us a big favor? As always, like, comment, subscribe, share, click the bell in the corner. So anytime there's an update or a notification, whether it's a sermon, whether it's special Bible studies, devotionals, whatever we produce at Redemption Church, you'll get that directly to your smartphone. If you're listening on Spotify, iTunes, or any other podcasting app, Leave us a five-star review. We gratefully appreciate that. You help get good, solid Bible teaching out to the rest of the world, and you're helping other people experience life change through Jesus. So from the bottom of our hearts, we want to say thank you very much. Today, we're going to be diving into Song of Solomon. It's a love poem between a man and a woman, and it's the Bible's guide to a better marriage. Trevor, have you been enjoying the Song of Solomon series that we've been doing here at Redemption? What do you what do you think? What are you learning? How's it blessing you and your marriage? Yeah, I'm definitely enjoying it. It's um it's a, an extremely practical sermon. Mm-hmm. And whenever I read the text myself as a I don't know, as a non-theologian, you know, I'm yeah. not the most educated spiritually person. So reading it as a poem can be kind of hard to translate. So right. hearing you break it down for where what it what it's meant to be mm-hmm. has been really helpful. Yeah, was there a funny line this week that kind of stood out to you that you remember reading it? <laughs> Oh, uh, in in the text itself. Yeah, yeah. There was plenty. There was, there was a funny line. I mean, he called her a horse. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. These are the things I didn't understand. Yeah. yeah. Did you have you tried to call your wife a horse yet? Luckily, you've corrected me since. So yeah, <laughs> Taylor, you are not a horse, but I do uh, love you. In a few weeks, he's gonna say you look like a goat. <laughs> and so it's a uh, yeah it's graceful farm animals that's right for, for Solomon that's right up your alley with that the is, leaping lemurs and the church these. monkey minute and all that <laughs> stuff right 
You're, you're, you should, you got a whole lot of new content. He is speaking my love language. Yeah. yeah. He, he, she says, uh, my beloved to me is a sachet of myrrh between my breasts. Now, I don't know what a sachet is, but Ashley, if you're listening, I'm glad I am one. Amen. Amen. And so, uh, I think. And, and, and the, the theme comes from in the vineyards of Engedi. And really, that idea of Engedi is super important. And I, I think we should all envision our marriages like Engedi. And what Engedi is, is it's a tropical oasis in the middle of a desert. It's this little small tropical um, island, if you will, Paradise. in the middle of uh, the Middle East. And it was a vacation spot. It was a place of refreshing, relaxation, rejuvenation. And that's the way that our marriages should be. Because the truth is, out in the world, marriages are not doing well. Marriage in America is kind of like a desert. It's a barren wasteland, nearly 50% of marriages end in divorce, 40-something of first marriages, 60-something of second marriages, 70% of third marriages end in divorce. People are hooking up, shacking up. There's breakup and heartache everywhere. Um, uh, half of the young women are going to cohabitate with their boyfriend at any period. 18% of all pregnancies end in divorce or end in abortion. Right now, 40% of kids are going to bed without a father in the home. The nuclear family and system in America is broken. And then a lot of millennials and even Gen Z are pushing marriage further and further down the line, waiting till they're in their 30s to get married because people don't believe in the institution of marriage anymore. And it seems outdated. It seems antiquated. I mean, people are just really struggling when it comes to this issue of relationships. And that's one of the whole reasons we want to do this series, because after God made all of man, all of the universe and all of the world and all of mankind, you know what the first thing that God did is he made marriage. Adam and Eve, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And then God made a helper fit for him. That's Eve. He walked them down the aisle in the Garden of Eden. He pronounced the first marriage ceremony. And the first thing God made after he made mankind was he made marriage. And so God made marriage. Marriage is a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. It is very important to us as Christians. And what I believe is that God made marriage. And so when we get God in the middle of our marriage, only God can make our marriage better. God envisions for your marriage to be like an Engedi. In the middle of the barren wasteland of relationships, a husband and a wife, they should have refreshing, relaxing, rejuvenating, life-giving relationship with one another. And that's actually what we're going to be talking about today. And so I find it really fascinating that the Bible actually gives three steps to building a better marriage. We all want that in Getty, right? Amen. Do you want that in Getty with the spaghetti? <laughs> I think you've described in Getty to me before as well uh, as like that time period after like a long day of work, you get home right. and you need that just like 10 minutes to yeah. decompress. Mm -hmm. That's described as in Getty as well. That is. Yeah. Right. Pair, yeah. Pair. Because, because even work while it's a blessing from God, it's also a curse and a burden. And a, a burden dry, barren wasteland. Because, because, because we, we've, everywhere we go out in the world is barren desert wasteland. Uh, but at the same time, our homes and our relationships with one another, when we're stressed, exhausted, frustrated, when we're fearful, anxious, afraid, we should find Engedi in the, in the arms of our spouse. So like you need to be an Engedi to your wife. And then your wife needs to be an Engedi to you. I'll make him spaghetti. And then you build it all together and it's this beautiful picture of a relationship. So how do we get that, right? Where do we go to get that? Well, you're not gonna get it from the world, so you gotta get it from God's word. 
And uh, the Bible in, in this section in uh, Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 1, 8 through 2, 7, actually what I believe gives us three simple steps to building a better marriage, to getting that in Getty. Just three steps. If you do these three things every single day, you're going to have in Getty. And if you're dating or you're engaged or you're single, you need to be applying these steps to your life today so that way you can enjoy step three. All right, so here's the three steps. One, you got to connect spiritually. Two, you got to invest emotionally. And then three, you get to enjoy intimacy. Now, if you're single and you're hearing this, uh, you need to be working on connecting spiritually. And then through your dating and engagement, you're investing emotionally. And then once you get married, then you can enjoy intimacy. If you are married and you're listening to this, these are three things that you should be doing every single day. And the first thing is connecting spiritually. In this section, she says, I am dark, but I am lovely, right? So what she's juxtaposing here is the, the, the physical versus the spiritual. She says, oh, you whom my soul longs for. I don't look like all the other girls. I don't fit the cultural standard of beauty. Yet at the same time, I've been perfecting my character. I've been working on my integrity. I've been saving myself and I've been investing or uh, spiritually and I'm waiting for someone who's gonna do the same. But then Solomon speaks up. He's been doing the exact same thing. And so when they are together, there's a spiritual connection between the two of them. And this is where relationships and healthy relationships need to begin with the spiritual connection because we got to put God first in everything we do. That's why Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added unto you. God first in everything. In the Bible, it opens up in the beginning, God, right? God first and then everything flows after God and so if you want to have a better marriage you got to put God first in that marriage so she's been putting God first he's been putting God first and then when they are able to come together and they find one another well they keep God first at the center of the relationship and that's what causes the relationship to flourish it's connecting spiritually now Trevor true or false easier said than done true <laughs> Trick question, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Easier, said, Easier than said than done. Uh, have you found it difficult, you know, because you've been married, what, a year? A year. One year. Mm -hmm. One year in. One year. You just still- About a year still, and a half. Still a baby. Yeah. Still a baby in marriage. And now we did not follow the steps. And you we did, did not follow the and steps. we did everything wrong. You did it all backwards. Right, which really hurt us, mm -hmm. you know. But now, I mean, for us, uh, putting God first, like if we didn't put God first, we wouldn't have been married in the first place. Mm -hmm. You know, we were together 10 years before yeah. getting, actually getting married. I always joke with Trevor. I say, dude, you dated that girl longer than Obama was president. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't do that. Yeah, bro. I went through like one and a half presidential terms uh -huh. before I finally tied the knot, which is not the way to do it, gentlemen. Um, but once, you know, basically once I got saved, that's when I first I found the importance mm -hmm. of marriage, right? The way Jesus loves the church right. is how, what marriage should resemble. Yeah. So that's really what pushed me to get married in the first place, mm -hmm. right? And that first step was what? Connecting emo connecting spiritually. Yeah. We would have never, after 10 years, we would have never gotten married unless we didn't first connect spiritually. Right. Yeah. That was it. And I told her not to marry you because you were not a Christian. <laughs> Fair enough. And so when, she's first, when, when, when Trevor's wife first started coming to the church, I was like, dump that guy, 
dump that loser, dump him, dump him. And then you got saved. And then she actually did dump you for a little bit, right? That's right. And so she broke up with you for a little bit. You got saved. You started coming to church just to win her back, right? That's you right. You were like, oh, well, I'll just give this a shot. And then you got saved. And then it was about another year of you coming to church, growing in your faith. You got involved in a community group. You're serving in the church. You got baptized. You're growing in your faith. You got baptized. Tell them about your baptism. That's super cool. I mean, I'm sure, like, just go ahead and let them know. Like, just, just yes. make it quick. Yeah, yeah. So when I got baptized, um, I had a big plan. I was like, so this is a, you know, sim- spiritually, this is like a, a symbolic form of, you know, my marriage to the Lord. So what I did was as soon as I got baptized, got out of the water and I had my ring. So I was able to propose to Kayla after 10 years, after publicly announcing, you know, my faith to Jesus. And that's God first. That's God first. So you put God first. And then as soon as you got out of the baptism waters... Mm-hmm. Followed the steps. Kayla goes second. <laughs> so, uh, but hey, I want to give you a couple of practical ways for you to connect spiritually. Because here's what I've discovered: is that oftentimes married couples have um, have different devotional lives. So what I mean by that is, I'll ask guys, I'll say like, "Hey, do you pray with your wife?" And they say, "Absolutely, I pray for my wife every day." And I say, "No, no, 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 no. I didn't ask do you pray for your wife. I asked do you pray." with your wife and that's a totally different answer so a lot of times you know the the guy maybe he'll read a book but then the wife she's reading a devotional in the morning and you know maybe he's praying on the way to work and she's praying over the kids before they tuck him in bed and then they kind of come to church together but they serve in different areas the kids are in youth the wife is in the women's ministry the husband's in the men's prayer meeting and they're living different devotional lives and so they're not growing together spiritually in fact what they're actually doing even though they're growing spiritually, they have their own individual spiritual growth. And that's good, but that's not good enough. You want to have spiritual growth that's connected together. And so I always say, do you pray with your wife? And that gets a totally different answer. Trevor, totally different answer, doesn't it? Completely different answer. Yeah. And so I challenged all the guys in the church uh, during the series to pray every single morning for five minutes with your wife. And so the next week, Trevor comes in, calling you out, Trevor, because I love you. This is called discipleship and personal accountability. And so I asked Trevor, I said, hey, Trevor, did you pray with your wife this morning? And he said, well, I don't have to pray in the morning. I mean, I could pray anytime. And I said, okay, did you pray with your wife anytime at all yesterday? And he said, no. I said, then you need to pray with her in the morning. So my first thing is pray together in the morning. Sit down, connect spiritually first thing in the morning before you turn on the news, before you go to work, before you eat your Cheerios, pray with your spouse in the morning. And it makes a big difference. So you've been praying with your wife in the morning. How are you feeling? Amazing. And you feel it too whenever you slip up and you don't do it. Uh So it's pretty uh, black and white. It's easier to stay connected throughout the day when you connect first thing in the morning, isn't it? Right, right. It's, uh, I mean, if you think about it, praying together is one of the most intimate things you can do. Yeah. Right. So, absolutely. So it does, it sets your spiritual platform for the day. You're already in the mindset of first off gratitude, mm-hmm. right? Oh, I have my wife. Yeah. Thank God we have each other that God has given us each other. Yeah. Right? It's just going to set your day off better. I've absolutely. already seen such a big difference of, you know, when we're waking up, we hold each other's hands. It doesn't have to be long. Yeah. I mean, the other day, you know, sometimes I work overnight during the second half of the week, I work overnight. So I get home extremely tired it's like 6 a.m but i wake up kayla and i'm like hey before you go to work wake me up and make sure we pray so she did she woke me up and i'm sitting there like snoring halfway through but i prayed with her <laughs> That's I, was good. St- I was still aware yeah. and the day was better and the day just goes better when you connect in the morning it's easier to connect throughout the day 
uh, I, I've learned that as I put, you know, uh, do devotional time with Ashley first thing in the morning, I'm a lot, she's more in my heart and mind throughout the day. So I'm more prone to text her, to communicate with her, and then to have face-to-face conversations at the end of the day because because we're connected spiritually. The second thing is to just read the Bible in the morning. Uh, to, so we do the devotional through the YouVersion app. And so every morning we, you know, we do our little devotional. We read it together. Right now we're doing the third option about racial reconciliation with Miles McPherson. Today was the final day of that. And um, so we're reading through that. We're praying through that. We're asking questions. It takes five minutes, guys. Five minutes for 50 years of marital bliss. Five minutes a day. That's all it takes for 50 years of marital bliss. And then the last thing is to go to church together and serve in the church together. If your church is offering growth track or next steps or membership, the best thing you will ever do for your marriage is to be involved in a local church. And here's the reason why. Research has shown that couples who pray together, read their Bible together, and go to church together on a regular, consistent basis, not once, you know, once every, you know, 3,000 miles, (laughs) but like couples who do this consistently, they actually cut the divorce rate down 31%. And so for those of first marriages, you can reduce your divorce rate down below 15%. That's incredible. You'd be an idiot if you don't do that. Yeah, don't not do yeah. that. Yeah, like, if, like if, if you want your marriage to last, the best thing, research, non-Christian, secular research has discovered is that Christian marriages really are better marriages. Because I, when you put God first, you get everything else. How many... Testimonies have we seen alone just at our church? Oh, right? and how many couples have met each other, gotten married all through here, and are doing great? You oh know man, what I, mean? I, I can speak of couples that I know of who their marriage is completely falling apart. God involved in the church, and that God resurrected that marriage. But on the flip side, I know of many couples who have left the church, and their marriages have fallen apart. I mean, I could just think of like three marriages right now from people in our church who I got the privilege to perform their marriage, their premarital counseling, go through that. And then within the year or year and a half after they got married, they got busy, work got busy, had a kid, or maybe they transferred jobs, they got in fights, but they stopped coming to the church. They shucked their responsibility. They dipped on their community group. They stopped reading their Bible, stopped praying, no longer involved in church, and now they're divorced. Um, and, and so because that foundation of God first was removed, then they put idols in their marriage and then they put a crushing weight of idolatry on their spouse and then selfishness comes in and just totally wreaked havoc. And now it's just, they're, they don't even want to do it anymore. Yeah. The devil will distract you real quick. Yeah. And so if you don't say discipline, but what happens, but what happens when you do put God first in your marriage? I'm going to read you some statistics because I know people don't really believe me, but he's a numbers guy. Let me, let me read to, uh, couples that attend church together are 35% less likely to divorce than couples who do not. Christian men are more active and expressive with their children. Christian men, uh, have a more positive outlook on marriage. Christian men are more emotionally engaged towards their wives. Wives are most likely likely to report marital happiness. Church attendance promotes empathy among men towards women. Christian men are more involved with hobbies and extracurricular activities with their children. Get this, conservative evangelical married men who do those three things, worship, pray, 
and read their Bible, report the lowest domestic violence of any other group of men in America. And then Les Parrott in his book, Simba, Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts, he says that women who are married to men who attend church more than once a week and pray with them every day have more orgasms than women who do not. Christian marriages, hands down, are the best marriages. Amen? So if that doesn't make you want to pray for your wife or have your husband pray for you, Hey, I don't know what will. Listen, guys, I'm just telling you, if you, if you, if you do not do these three things, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Like, read your Bible in the morning, pray together in the morning, go to church. Like, if you just do these three things, you will have a better marriage. Yeah, God ain't hiding it. H- hands down. Like, this is just, you're an idiot if you don't do this. I don't know why, I don't know any other way to motivate you or inspire you. If you don't do these three things, you're a fool. And I can tell how convicted you are by it because normally you have an elegant way of explaining like yeah, you're doing this the wrong way. I don't know. But you'll look at me and you'll be like, don't be an idiot. Don't be an and idiot. And I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, if you want to have a better marriage, just pray, read your Bible and go to church. It's not hard. It's really not hard. He's trying to help you. Yeah. Five minutes every day. That's all it takes, which we're going to lead to the next point. So the first thing is to connect spiritually. The second thing is what? Investing emotionally. This is so important. This is so incredibly important. Cash in those checks. Cash in the checks. Your relationship is a bank account, right? Okay, simple illustration. Your, your marriage is a bank account. Your dating relationship is a bank account, right? So you're making deposits. I've been telling, I've been, I've been using this illustration in our church since I don't even know how long. Um, but you got to see it like a, like a bank account where every day you're making deposits, cash and checks into the relationship and you're building up equity. What happens if you stop investing in your 401k? Right? You're going to go broke. You're going to go broke. And a lot of times what people do is when they get married, they stop investing into the relationship. So when you're dating, you know, you're making all sorts of investments. Well, maybe not if you're dating 10 years, but you're making, <laughs> but if you're, if you're dating, you're trying to impress and to woo and you're trying to seal the deal. And so you're constantly making investments. Hey baby, let's go to PF Chang's. Hey baby, here's some flowers. You know, hey, here's the cheesecake factory. Like you're taking, you're doing these things. You're taking day trips to Houston to be able to go get moon milk, right? So you're doing these things. You're, you're going to the, you're going to the lake, right? So you're doing these things. <laughs> inside joke. So you're doing these things to invest in the relationship, right? But then when you get married, what happens is people stop investing in the relationship and then they go broke. And so what you have to learn to do is you have to learn to continually invest emotionally. But here's where the problem comes is that you don't get to determine the way that another person feels loved. All right. Do you need me to say that again? Do it. Okay, you don't get to determine the way another person feels loved. It took me a long time to figure this out with Ashley because I thought I was investing in the relationship, but she didn't feel as if I was investing into it. Because I'm working, I'm buying, I'm providing, I bought a car, like I bought a house, I'm doing these things. Why aren't you happy? And yeah. she's like, I'm not happy. I'm like, why not? Yeah. I'm doing all these things. And she's that's like, where the, but the, you've ignored me. The love languages come in. Yeah, that's where it's important. Right. Yeah. So let's talk. What's your love language? I would say probably words of affirmation. Mm, that's mine too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The way you described it on stage was pretty yeah. much it. You tell me I'm, I did a good job and I will run through a wall for you. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm words of affirmation. Ashley is quality time. Same with Kayla. Yeah, yeah, and so she just wants me to sit on the couch and do absolutely nothing. Right. Uh, it doesn't and, mean sit on your phone. And, and for me as a three on the Enneagram, that is the most... Undesirable. (laughs) That makes me just cringe. She's like, don't do anything. I'm like, unless I am accomplishing something, I have no value or worth for my life. And, but I got to remember like, 
I have to love her the way she feels loved. Right. Yeah. And so um, there's a great book by Gary Chapman that actually goes into the five love languages. You'll find all five love languages in the book Song of Solomon. I mean, he's speaking to her. He said, oh, my love, my dove, my beautiful, and oh, most beautiful among women. Right. And so that's words of affirmation. He also, there, there's time. She says, my couch is green. Our rafters are pine. Our boards are made of cedar. What's that? She's talking about her home. She's like, I just want to be home. The green couch. You. Just sit and hang out with you. Quality time. Yeah. Gifts. He, he says, I'm going to make for you a necklace studded in silver for your neck <clears throat> that looks like jewels. They're giving gifts to each other. Uh, service of one another, and then there's the touch, the vineyards, the, the vineyards of Engedi. My beloved to me is a sachet of myrrh between my breasts. So that's that's touch. And so a really helpful thing, you can go to fivelovelanguages.com and you can take your love language test. It would be really good for you if you're single to go ahead and learn your love language now. Uh, but also for those of you who are married, it would be really helpful for you to sit down, have the conversation. Babe, what's your love language? What's my love language? How can I love you the way that you feel loved? And then here's the way that I feel loved because truth be told, like I do not like gifts. Like, I don't like gifts. You're and not I, a gift dude. And Ashley, Ashley, I love you, Ashley. You're listening. You know, but she knows this. She knows that I don't like gifts and I'm not sentimental. Mm -hmm. And so like if she were to come up to me and say, oh, baby, I got a picture frame of our first date and here's for you. A lot of people would be like, oh my God, that's so sweet. And I'm like, where am I going to put this? <laughs> like that's my first response. But, you know, when she comes to me and she, she has a gift that's super practical, something that I need. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, great. I can actually... This is, this is amazing. Running shoes. This is going to help. Yeah. yeah. And so when she gets me those things, I'm like, thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes. More socks. I need those. Uh, no, I'm kidding. She doesn't give me socks, but, uh, but yeah. She so, definitely doesn't give you shirts. Yeah. So, so I'm just saying like, you have to love, you have to love them the way that they desire to be loved. And that's, yeah. that's just basic investing emotionally. And so what happens is when you're connected spiritually, you're reading your Bible, you're praying together, you're making deposits into the account by investing in each other emotionally. Then that leads to the third, which is enjoying intimacy. I was going to actually call this um, enjoying sexually, uh, but I wanted to keep it a little PG-13. But um, I'm using the word for this series, intimacy and sex, kind of um, interchangeable. interchangeable. And here's the reason why. Uh, one, because Christians get weird when you talk about sex, and so you can't use the word sex. Uh -oh. And so you have to substitute it for intimacy. But on the other hand, um, it doesn't always mean sex. There, there's, there, there's a difference between sex and intimacy. Like if you don't follow steps one and two, you're just having sex. Right. And like, that's just base carnal, uh, exchanging of fluids. Like that's for, I mean, it's, that's, there's a difference between marital sex and then just selfish sex. It's a spiritual difference. Yeah, it's a spiritual difference because in Song of Solomon, the word love, she says, I am sick with love. That's what she says in this. Uh, the word comes from uh, the Hebrew word of dod, right? Which means a mingling of souls, like your souls become connected together. And that's why it's true intimacy because it's the most vulnerable, the most honest. It is a uh, soul level. Like as Christians, we do not believe that sex is primarily physical. The world would say sex is physical, right? There is a physical component, but we do not believe that sex is physical. It's deeper. It's more beautiful and intimate than that. It is a spiritual component. It's a, com it's a combination of connecting spiritually, investing emotionally, and then enjoying the intimacy that God designed between a man and a woman. It's a, it's a mingling of souls. 
And uh, she she closes this by saying, um, uh, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, do not awaken or arouse love until it's time. She's warning um, she's warning her friends like, hey, this is a good thing, but if you get it out of order, it's going to cause chaos and disorder right. in your life. You have to follow the steps. You have to follow the steps. I mean, it's beautiful and passionate what we read in Song of Solomon too. I mean, she says, um, she says, my beloved is an apple and it's sweet to my taste. What do you think she's talking about there? Right. If you want to do a further study, you could read Joseph Dilla's book, but she's actually talking about oral sex. Mm-hmm. And then he, he, she, she says, his left hand is on my, under my head, his right hand embraces me, right? What, what she's actually talking about is manual stimulation. So they're in this biblical Kama Sutra sex position, and they're having this intimate moment where there's trust, where there's vulnerability, where there's passion, and it's this beautiful, beautiful thing that you don't get unless you connect spiritually and invest emotionally, and then you can enjoy intimacy. And I warned all the singles, you think right now, like nobody does this. Well, exactly, that's why all marriages are falling apart, right? But Engedi is in the arms of one another with trust and beauty and connecting spiritually, investing emotionally, and then you can enjoy that intimacy. This is the design of marriage that God wants. And so I gave a warning to to, to, to the, the singles, like, you don't want to just be mingling your soul with anybody, right? You, you want to protect yourself. You want to guard your heart and protect your soul. So that way you're not giving pieces of your soul away to where you feel broken and tattered by, you know, by not, by not protecting yourself in that. So right. the, the encouragement I gave to the singles, do you remember what it was? Hit me. Okay. It was grow your nose so God can bless your yes. That's what it was. Grow your nose so God can bless your yes. I have never met a virgin who regretted saving themselves for marriage but I have met many people who regretted having sex before marriage. And so you want to grow your no, right? Say no. If they don't read their Bible, the answer is no. If they don't pray, the answer is no. If they're not in church, the answer is no. If they don't love Jesus, the answer is no, right? And if they try to get you on their green couch before it's time, the answer is no. no. Grow your no so God can bless your yes. The best marriages with God first actually have greater sexual satisfaction than marriages who do not. Do you want to have a great marriage? Right, put God first. Grow your no. No, 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 no. So that way, when you do cross the line of marriage, God can bless your yes. Christians who read their Bible, pray, and go to church have the healthiest, best sex life of any other group in America. God will bless your yes. And so if you're married, don't say no. And still, your yes is blessed. Keep saying yes. Follow them steps. Yeah, yeah follow, follow the steps. steps. I mean, it's aligning with God's word. Mm-hmm. The numbers are there. And in the elegant words of Pastor Byron, don't be a moron. Don't be an idiot. How hard is that? It's right there. Just don't be. An- <laughs> I get it. Uh, but a lot of times we feel that way in marriage. And I know it's a sensitive subject. Yeah. I know it's one of the most important areas of our life, which is our marriage, which is why we need to make sure we get it right. We need to get it right and we yeah. need to invest in it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So we want to help you invest in your marriage. Check us out online this Sunday, uh, Facebook and YouTube. You can stream as we're diving back into Song of Solomon. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're talking about catching fox. So it's going to be good. I can't wait. Guys, thank you so much for tuning into the Rundown Podcast. Remember, again, we'll be here next week. Like, share, and subscribe, and we'll see you then. Hey, see you later.